0: Welcome to the WALK podcast of the Thompson Institute, a podcast for students and faculty on your walk across campus as a resource for your spiritual journey. I'm Aaron Badenhop, And I'm Jordan Browning. And we are your hosts and fellow Buckeyes. In episode three of our interview with Dr. Peter Kraft, We ask, why does the possibility of Jesus' divinity actually matter? What are the real possibilities of Jesus' identity? And didn't the church just create a divine Jesus? We wanted to talk with you as well about your book, Between Heaven and Hell. Mm -hmm. And I wondered if you could summarize for our listeners what, what this book is about. And even if you'd be willing to talk about what the process of writing the book was like for you.
1: Well, the book's essentially about who Jesus is. Uh, And it's essentially a defense of the single most important argument in Christian apologetics. Because what distinguishes Christianity from all other religions and philosophies most clearly is its statement that Jesus is God incarnate. The earliest and shortest Christian creed is a three-word formula quoted twice by St. Paul in his letters in the New Testament. Jesus is Lord, Curious That Greek word, Lord, was applied by pagans to Caesar, but it was never applied by Christians to Caesar. Only Jesus is Lord. That's one of the reasons why Christians were persecuted, because Caesar said, no, nobody's Lord but me, uh, the Romans by the way were very tolerant of all religions of the world except two, Judaism and Christianity. Because they said, "No, Caesar, you're not the Lord. We know the real Lord." All right. If Jesus is Lord, if he's God incarnate and not just a man, that changes everything. And to believe that is a is a revolution. And all Christians believe that. If they don't, they're not really Christians. And no non-Christians believe that because if you do believe that, that makes you a Christian. <laughs> Okay, so that's the most important doctrine. And the most important argument for it is a very simple one. It uh, is made famous by C.S. Lewis in Mere Christianity. Uh, it goes back to the early church fathers. Uh, it's often called the Lord Liar or Lunatic Trilemma. If Jesus is not the God he claims to be, then he is either the world's most insane lunatic, a man who sincerely believes that he's God, and therefore is, is insane, or the world's biggest and most blasphemous liar, a man who knows it's a lie but nevertheless teaches it and wants people to believe it. And there's no other alternative. So in order to dramatize that and to put that argument into the lips of a character, uh, what I did was I took C.S. Lewis, who was the most famous uh, advocate of that argument and the author of I think the most powerful Christian book of all modern times, Mere Christianity, Uh, who died the same afternoon, almost the same hour, as John F. Kennedy and Aldous Huxley. And interpreting Huxley as a kind of global Buddhist, certainly not a Christian, and interpreting Kennedy as basically a secular humanist with vaguely Christian overtones, that's probably a dark interpretation of Kennedy. I'm not judging his soul, but I'm just using him as as a character Uh, kind of a foil to play off against Lewis's orthodox Christianity. I have Lewis meeting these two guys and confronting their objections to the fundamental Christian doctrine that Jesus is God. Hmm. So there's basically two dialogues. First, Lewis's argument with Kennedy, who's a secular humanist, and then with uh, Huxley, who's a kind of mystical Buddhist. Hmm. Uh, I wrote the book, uh, to answer your second question, very quickly. Uh, I had an essay on three worldviews, Christianity, secular humanism, and mysticism, Eastern mysticism, Hindu or Buddhist. Uh, and I thought it was pretty good because these are th- the three biggest truth claims in our world, but it was rather abstract and philosophical and not that interesting to read. Uh, and then when I realized that these three guys who represented these three points of view had died the same afternoon, I said, what if they met in the next world? What if they had an argument? What if I was a fly on the wall listening to their conversation?
2: Hmm.
1: I wrote the book in three days. Took another three days to revise it. Uh, I sent the manuscript to Christopher Derrick, who was one of Lewis's students and who has written some very good books himself. Uh, And he wrote back to me, I am insanely jealous. This is exactly the book I was planning to write, but you got there first. (laughs) So I knew it was on target. Hmm.
2: Can't even read a book in three days. Yeah, Yeah,
0: well, in hearing you talk about uh, Kennedy and Huxley and Lewis talking about the identity of Jesus uh, as they kind of pass from this world to the next, I, I wonder if there are some who might say, is it presumptuous to think that Jesus would be the subject matter? that these guys would be would be talking about why 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 does the identity of jesus why would that the identity of jesus be the thing that uh they would have conversation about going into the next
1: because they're intelligent enough to realize that that's a crucial issue and because lewis like socrates leads them to that central issue and they're not close minded or stupid enough to shut themselves off from that issue. So it's true. Lewis leads the conversation. If Lewis mm-hmm. hadn't been there, they probably wouldn't have talked about that. Mm. But he leads it in a fair way and they follow. Hmm.
0: Yeah. Well in your stu- in your story, C.S. Lewis is in conversation with JFK and we touched on this earlier, was you summarized what the what the book was about, but uh, Lewis says that Jesus' divinity is the centrally important doctrine. And I wonder if the, the question of Jesus' divinity is quite often met with indifference in our university context today. So what might you say to someone that might say, even if Jesus is divine, why does that matter to someone like me?
1: Well, that's a surprisingly easy question to answer, I think. Suppose, suppose I was addressing a class of college students And I said to them, I'm not just a college professor. I'm not just the best college professor in the universe. I'm God. I'm omniscient and omnipotent. I alone can save your souls. I alone can give you eternal joy. And I mean this literally. Please believe in me. Uh, They wouldn't be indifferent to that. They'd call out the men in the white coats. (laughs) Uh, And the Jews called out the Romans to crucify him because they interpreted that as the most horrible blasphemy. So I think people are indifferent to it only because they don't understand how radical that is. They probably mean, well, he's divine in the sense that he's closer to God than we are. Maybe we've all got a little bit of God in us, but he's got more of God in us. Uh, No, that's not what he meant. He wasn't a Hindu. He didn't believe that God was everything and everything was God. He was a Jew who believed that God was absolute, perfect, transcendent, and eternal. And in that context, for a human being, a flesh-and-blood human being who was mortal and could die and did on a cross, uh, for that man to claim to be God was apparently insane. Hmm. So you can't be indifferent to that. It's either the the wisest thing ever uttered by human lips or the stupidest thing ever uttered by human lips. It can't be in the middle. Hmm. He deliberately made it impossible to take a middle position. Yeah, Jesus is a good man. Uh, but I don't believe that he's God. well, a man who claims to be God and isn't is not a good man he's a bad man, very bad man, either intellectually bad, a lunatic or morally bad, a liar hmm. i th- I think a lot of people
0: would follow along with the argumentation there about how if if Jesus really did claim to be God hmm. uh that he would either be crazy or he would be uh you know a blasphemer hmm. or he would be. God mm-hmm. and I think a really common way to to think about that is to say well you know later followers put those words into Jesus's yep. mouth the yep. New Testament is the invention of mm-hmm. people who are trying to make a power play all of these mm-hmm. centuries later um, I'm sure you've encountered that that way of thinking many oh, yeah. times over the years yep. and I uh, being at this stage of your life, sort of staking your claim on Jesus' divinity, why do you
1: believe, even to this day, that Jesus did claim to be God? That's the argument Huxley uh, presents to Lewis. Uh, He points out correctly that there's a hidden premise in Lewis' argument, namely the historical fact that Jesus did claim to be God. Now, clearly the New Testament teaches that. In all four Gospels, Jesus clearly claims to be God. More clearly in the fourth gospel, but quite clearly in the other three. When, For instance, he claims to forgive everybody's sins. Who has a right to forgive everybody's sins except God? I have a right to forgive your sins against me, but I have no right to forgive your sins against him. Unless I'm very arrogant. (laughs) All right. Uh, How do you know the New Testament texts speak the truth? That's uh, Huxley's very good question. Lewis is a great writer and a great student of myth, And Lewis understands what mythic literature looked like. He reads and loves all the ancient myths. And to interpret the New Testament as a man-made myth, a fascinating story about a man who either never existed or never really claimed to be God or was misunderstood, uh, that notion just doesn't do justice to the style of the New Testament, which is not mythic. Compare it with other literature of the time, about wonder-working people who have at least some sort of divine power. And you can see the difference at once. Uh, The New Testament lacks all those poetic and imaginative things. Uh, It's like newspaper reporting. It claims to be eyewitness description. It doesn't have the once upon a time uh, historical reference. It, It references names and dates and people. Christianity is a very historical religion, and it's very fragile in that it can easily be refuted. For instance, if somebody discovered the bones of the dead Jesus in some tomb in Palestine tomorrow, Christianity would be dead in the water. If Jesus never rose from the dead, then, then, well, Christianity is false. He's not God. Only God can can resurrect someone from the dead. Uh, But that's never been done. None of the Claims none of the historical claims of the New Testament have ever been refuted. And the style of the Gospels is an amazing style. If, if the real Jesus of history isn't the Jesus who did miracles, resurrected, and claimed to be God, but if the real Jesus is basically like Brian in Monty Python's Brian, just a... <laughs> just a uh, a schlemiel who was schlepping around got misunderstood. <laughs> then then the whole Jesus figure was invented by Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, by four first century Palestinians who never went to university but came up with the most interesting character in all of the world's fiction and who invented a kind of realistic fantasy uh, seventeen centuries before the invention of science fiction and the perfection of it in tolkien. is Is that credible? Hmm. No? Mm. Uh, It's very significant that nobody can write fiction about Jesus that's any good. Mm. Fundamentalists sometimes try to, and they're embarrassingly bad. Mm. You can write fictions about any other historical character. You can't write good fiction about Jesus. He's just too big. Mm. So Lewis argues about the style there and also the psychology. If this whole thing was an invention by the early church or by the apostles, what did they get out of it? When you invent a lie, you get something out of it. Fame and fortune, money, adulation. Uh, they got hated, excommunicated, tortured, crucified. Hardly a list of perks. Hmm. Uh, so if Jesus wasn't the one who invented it, then you're just multiplying the, the psychological difficulty by 12, if it's the apostles, or by 12,000 if it's the early church. Whoever invented the myth got persecuted for 300 years. Hmm. What did they get out of the lie? Mm -hmm. And a Jew could never possibly make the mistake of confusing a man with God. That couldn't be just a a confusion. It couldn't be uh, that kind of collective insanity. A Hindu, maybe. They already believe that God is a kind of a pantheistic everything, Mm -hmm. but not a Jew.
2: Yeah, Aaron, I, I loved this portion of our interview with Dr. Kraft. uh, found it personally even really helpful when he asked us in the conversation to imagine himself standing in front of a classroom of students and sincerely claiming himself to be God, uh, with the ability to forgive people's sins and how, if that happened right now, say at Ohio State, if a professor did this, no one would be indifferent to that. No one would be sitting back in their chair, um, allowing that to go in one ear and out the other, um. In fact, that teacher probably would no longer be teaching anymore. Um, and, and it's helpful for me because um, it's, a, it, it's easy, I think, for the 2000 year gap of history between us in 2018 and Jesus uh, to sort of soften the blow of his claims. Um, this was a big deal his claim to be God. And because it launched what we now know of as Christianity, I think that question, his divinity, not only is relevant to the first century people uh, that he was talking to, but is is also relevant to us today. It matters right now, just as if a professor were to stand in front of a classroom to say something like this.
0: Yeah, Jordan, I, I think that it's possible for many people on our campus to really disregard the possibility of Jesus's identity as being divine. I think it's easy to disregard that because a lot of people look at Christians who actually believe this and think, well, uh, these people are irrelevant or uh, maybe even sometimes they're just bad people (laughs) and and I don't want to be like them. And, uh, and so it's just easy to disregard the possibility of Jesus' divinity because Jesus is followers. Um, and uh, I really like what Dr. Craft had to say about Jesus' uh, claim to divinity. He said, Either this was the wisest thing ever uttered by human lips or the stupidest thing ever uttered by human lips. It can't be in the middle. And so the claim of Jesus' divinity is so significant if if Dr. Crepe is right, it's so significant that it merits real consideration and investigation, regardless of what you may think of the people who believe this stuff. Uh, it's just the nature of the claim. If someone, if it's possibly the wisest thing or the stupidest thing, it's probably good to know which one it is, <laughs> uh, and so it's worth some investigation.
2: In our last episode, episode four with Dr. Peter Kraft during his recent visit to Ohio State, we briefly ask if the perception of Christians being awful people discredits Christianity's truth claims. And is Christianity's claim that God gives believers a new heart credible? Thanks so much for listening to The Walk of the Thompson Institute. The personal views presented by the scholars and professors on our podcast do not represent the views of their employer. For upcoming events and for more information visit the Thompson a program of crew at Ohio State.